Okay. Today is April the 20th, 2023 on the prayer list. I praise for a fellow we met, Everett, a um, military vet, had to get a, a heart surgery. And that went well for him. Chuck Knipp and his dad Randolph, putting them both on here. Our prayer team, the folks that see this list and pray, and that's Gail and Kathleen Klein, she's in California, Ruby and Vassy and Linda. Ray for continued blessings and comfort. Marcos, salvation for his son. Ellis, blessings of peace and comfort. Bella, continued strength as she continues to recover from addiction. Our children and our grandchildren, Bob's children, Stephanie and Mike, salvation and protection, and also for unsaved family members of Bob's. People in Europe for peace, pray for our country's leaders. Some terrible tornadoes across Oklahoma last mm -hmm. night. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many died, but some did. At least two or more. Mm. Okay, praying for Bob, Bud, Ted, Rex, Eric. Praise because Dorothy Wingo will not have to have surgery. Praise God for that. I would say fully 90% of surgeries are totally unnecessary. For John Park, Thelma, um, Par. Is that a last name, P-A-R? Parton. Parton, mm -hmm. okay. And unsaved family members. President Trump, patriots. Ray's lost loved ones in his family. Salvation for this nation to have a revival. I think revival is happening. Yes. I do. I mean, our crazy little Bang Steel podcast, which... Some people would say it's one foot in heaven and one foot in hell. I don't agree, but we get a little direct and to the point with politically correct, you know, combating that, you know. But a fellow, and this is part of what the study's going to be about tonight, a fellow in Manitoba, Canada, emailed me for the fourth time last night. He said, you guys are talking about God. You guys are talking about Jesus and you know, he just asked a couple of small questions. And I answered everything he asked. And the last email I got, I prayed my first time. He said, I got on my knees and I asked God to forgive me for my sins, to forgive me for all of the senseless killing I did of animals that I wasn't going to eat. I was just using them for target practice. I repented of that too when I got saved. Um, but yeah, yeah, so I want to talk tonight to the new believer, and that'll help all of us here kind of help a new believer because I think we're going to see more and more of them. The, the lady who uh, narrated my audiobooks, her and her husband, at least her, hopefully her husband, up in Milwaukee, inching closer by the day to salvation in Christ. It's awesome to see. So I want this podcast to help newcomers that we can refer them to this to know how to how to get started and pitfalls to avoid and stuff like that. Other unsaved family members, and that was uh, Ron's and uh, 
prayer for I Isaiah Isaac Isaac. That's you, Ray. Israel. Israel. Okay. Well, at least I had a couple of Jewish names rolling in there. <laughs> Marta and Charles and Sebron. All right, let's join hands. And God, we thank you for the wisdom that you impart to us through your Holy Spirit. We even ask again tonight, knowing you will give us wisdom. We pray, God, you help us to learn and to know and to retain the information that we might need to help new believers onto the right path and also to help them stay off of the wrong path. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And folks, you're going to hear the air conditioner in the background because it got pretty hot out there today and we're, uh, make sure this is still recording, it is. Just want to make sure that we don't get too hot. This is um, for the new believer. <clears throat> I want to go to John chapter 1. I tell people that are first coming to the faith spend at least half of your time in the Gospel of John. The, the true and deeper nature of Jesus Christ is revealed in the Gospel of John. Not that it's not found everywhere in this Bible, including the Old Testament, but the Gospel of John is, is very revelatory, let's say, of Christ, who He is. I want to read the first verse and the second verse, and then verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Who was with God? The Word. The Word was with God. And at the end of verse 1 it says the Word was God. Well, what about this Word? Well, verse 14 and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Revelation chapter 1. You know, that, what we just read, is all you need to, to realize that Jesus is God. Not only is He God now, He's always been God. He will always be God. We're made in His image, body, soul, and spirit. We're made in His image. It begins in Genesis. He says, let us make man in our image. He uses the plural there. Hold your place there in Revelation 1. Let me read something quickly from 1 Thessalonians. You don't need to turn here. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Just listen to this one. I'm reading from the King James. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have a spirit and a soul and a body and God has a spirit and a soul and a body and God's body is the body of Jesus Christ. Paul says he is the visible image of the living God. It, you know, um, Stay there in Revelation 1. I got another epiphany I'm going to throw in here. 
Um, you know, in John 14, Jesus is saying, I go to prepare a place for you. And, and if I go there, I'm going to come back and I will receive you to me. So that where I am, you may be also. And um, so basically, Philip in verse mm-hmm. 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. John 14, verse 8. Show us the Father, Philip said, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long a time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou, Show us the Father? And you know there's cults out there that says, Jesus never said nothing about being God. He didn't say, He didn't claim to be God. I don't know what Bible you're reading from, but uh, it sounds something like you might have picked up at a Kingdom Hall Jehovah Witnesses cult meeting somewhere. Jesus most certainly said he was God, and that's why he often was maligned, and they picked up stones to kill him for, oh, you're blaspheming. No, he wasn't. Because he was God. Revelation 1, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to John. <laughs> Some uh, Bibles say, the revelation of John, St. John the Divine, as one of them said. The Apostle John would have corrected that right quick. Divine means God. You're God. You're Him. John is a human being. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He gave this. So basically, you know, it, it goes through and tells you that it, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written. That's verse 3. Letters to the seven churches. Verse 8 is printed red here, and I like that. Not every Bible does that, but I like it. Verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega. Now when you see... God speak and use I am. That's very key. Jesus, remember, told him before Abraham was, I am. Where God dwells, where heaven is, is not on time continuum. It's not on a time constraint. The past, the present, the future, and it's not comprehensible to us in our humanity, but it is all at once. It's all the same. Before Abraham was, I am, Jesus said. Verse 8, Revelation 1. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and Patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me. By the way, there's evidence and elsewhere in the Bible, the Lord's day is Sunday. That's the first day. That was the day he, he rose from the tomb. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, this is Christ again, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, 
and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, some translations say lampstands, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hairs were white like wool. Daniel saw God this way in a vision. as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. That's the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. Now you can really knock a Jehovah Witness off of his high horse with this scripture, because they have to agree this is God Almighty speaking here, saying that he was dead. This has to be Jesus too, right? I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Okay, that's far enough there. People will ask you as a new believer, and again, we're addressing new believers. I say, ah, they'll say to you, how do you know that Bible's true? That man, he's, he's dealt with that. He's translated that, and the Apostle Paul was a chauvinist and didn't like women, and um, yada yada blah 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 and what about the Quran or what about the holy books of uh, of eastern religions Hinduism and so forth Buddhism what about them are they just wrong yeah they are and why do you think the Bible's right and all these other books are wrong listen carefully let's look at Isaiah 11 This is verse 11, Isaiah 11, 11. This is one of many, many prophecies that have been fulfilled. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set His hand again. Don't miss the word again. That He shall set His hand again the second time to recover the remnant of His people which shall be left from Babylon, because that's where they went. They were only in Babylon. That's not what this says. To recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, and from Egypt, and from Pethros, and from Cush, and from Elam, and from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. When did the Jewish people go far and wide to all these different places? It was... Um, 
Yeah, when the when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, Israel just stopped being a nation. Israel was done with. But he's going to bring them back there, it says. Verse 12, And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Simply means four compass points. So he said he's going to gather them all. You know, uh, look what happened. It was May the 14th, 1948. You know, uh, a nation is once again restored um, in a day. It, it, it says, uh, maybe verse 5 of Isaiah 66. This might be the wrong place, but might be the wrong, maybe not the one I had in mind, but it's never the wrong Scripture because all Scripture is good. Verse 5 of Isaiah 66. Let me get a sip of soda water. Hear the word of the Lord that ye that tremble at His word, your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for My name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified, but He shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. A voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, a voice of the Lord that rendereth recompense to His enemies. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? May 14, 1948. For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Shall I cause, shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth? Saith the Lord, shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb? No. They're under the same flag. There's evidence of that. The prophecies in Daniel said that they would once again speak the Hebrew language. They do. That they would once again use the shekel as a currency. They do. Many other places in this Bible, in this book, prove that it's written by the Almighty who knows the end from the beginning. He puts these things in here and tells you what's to come. That's how you know that the Bible is true and all this other stuff is just satanic trickery. It tells us in uh, the book of Job, speaking of God, it says, He hangeth the earth on nothing. It's just hanging in empty space. He hangs it on nothing. I wonder how many generations read that and thought, wow, you know, that can't be true. But then we finally got to this age and we find out that it's true. It's pretty much hanging on nothing. God in Isaiah, He says He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. When the Apollo missions went up there and they turned the cameras on to the earth from outer space, 
It's a circle. It's a sphere. It's not a flat earth. I know there's a lot of people that believe that and they have a lot of uh, what they think is evidence. But Elon Musk said it best. Why isn't there a flat Mars society while we're at it? We see the other planets. They rotate. We're just down here. I don't know. Uh, hey, I could get to heaven one day and realize that is how it is. But, uh, you know, in long-range shooting, we see the Yotvos effect. If you shoot to the west, it's behind me, a thousand yards to the west, the 308, the earth turns while that bullet's in the air. And that target, you aimed here, but by the time the bullet got to it, it moved up five or six inches. Turn around and shoot to the east, and the, you aimed here, but that target in the east is dropping like this, and you hit five or six inches high. This is a consistent thing that is noted because of the spherical nature of the planet. <clears throat> um, people say, well, you know, you can't believe that Bible because it's been translated too many times by different people for their own purposes. And I say to them, if I were going to write your biography, if I was going to write your life story, and you're just sitting there proofreading what I have written, and I say, you went to Podunk Elementary in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, and that's not where you went to school, you'd tap me on the shoulder and say, fix that. That's not right. So would, would you accuse the Almighty God of doing something less than that? letting people mishandle his word? Sure, the Jehovah Witnesses have done that. They're going straight to hell, every last one of them, if they don't repent and get saved. And sure, there's other blaspheming, satanically motivated people that try to write a different Bible. A bunch of the gays wrote one called the Queen James Bible, and they took anything out of it that had to do against homosexuality. Is that a Bible? It's not. Yeah. So, you know, the, uh, the fact is God is sovereign over His Word and He preserves it. And the most prolific translation of it is in English. And it is in the King James Bible. I do look at other translations. You'll run into stuff and it's in the King James. You don't really know what that word means. Concubiscence. Or uh, superfluity of naughtiness. Things like that. You kind of got to look that up. But that's fine. You know, the King James has a beautiful way of putting things. And that's a proper way to honor God's word. Well, King James had a bunch of people's heads cut off. He was just the evil as they was wrong. The Bible says that the king's heart is in God's hand and he turns it where he will as if a water course. God wanted this translation to go out to all the earth. Most of the missionaries, 95 plus percent of Christian missionaries are English speaking people. So this is what they read. This is what they go by. 
Well, I'm just too intellectually advanced. You're not going to convince me of your big daddy invisible god in the sky, your flying spaghetti monster. You're not convincing me of that. I go by science. I think Isaac Newton went by science too. Sir Isaac Newton. Are you smarter than him? How many laws of physics have you identified and proven? Have you invented any mathematical systems such as calculus like Newton did? Stop trying to play the intellect card because you're not as smart as he was. I don't care who you think you are. So, we, once we have been introduced to God's Holy Spirit and it brings you to tears, you've come that close to the Lord. You've been that close. Don't don't come away you will be sealed at some point with the Holy Spirit you know we, we read about that in Ephesians I think it's in chapter 1 and you will know it because you, you, you just end up looking at everything differently It's in verse 13 of Ephesians 1. By the way, when your Calvinists like to use this first 12 verses of Ephesians to prop up their satanic doctrine, point out to them that Paul is saying, we and us and we and us and we and us, all the way to verse 12, where he says that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. I like to ask the Calvinists, are you, are you among the first who trusted in Christ? Well, uh, yeah, you're not. So with that verse 12, you know that Paul was talking about the apostles. And there were some things. He was struck down on the road to Damascus. People might argue that he didn't make a decision. He was pushed by God into doing that. I would say that God introduced Himself to Paul knowing that Paul would certainly fall down and worship. He called Him Lord right away. But verse 13 says, "...in whom you also..." So it's we, us, we, us, we, us for 12 verses. And now He's going to talk to the believers. "...in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth." the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you had to believe, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. When you are sealed, you do not lose salvation. A new believer may be invited to a church that teaches that you can lose salvation. Any denomination that teaches that you can lose salvation has a very truncated view of God's sovereignty and omniscience. Like, He's going to call you saved today if He knows that you're not going to be with Him in the end? No. He says no one's going to pluck you out of His hand. And He references the Father's hand there too. I think it's in John chapter 10. You're not going to be plucked out of His hand. Now, if you 
start acting incorrectly, you'll get chastened. But what does he say in 1 Corinthians 11? 1 Corinthians 11. <clears throat> Look at verse 31. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. You get judged, you get chastened. Why? So you'll get back in line. You're His child. What earthly parent would disown a child because they made a mess of the house while you were gone or they... 14 years old and stole your vehicle went down the road and wrecked it you're going to disown them no that's your child you love them and you know they make mistakes why should we accuse God of loving less instead of loving more 1 Corinthians chapter 3 while we're in this book Verse 11. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. No other foundation for you to build on. Jesus has laid that foundation. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. I suggest this is the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ described in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is a judgment of saved people. Believers. He's going to test what you did. Test your work by fire. It says, Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So you come to this judgment of Christ. He tests your work. What did you do with the talents I gave you? Did you share the Word of God? Did you bolster the confidence of the truth of Scripture and the errancy of the Bible to other believers? Did you do that? Things like that. But then, you know, I might have an attaboy or two, but i got a whole lot to go the other way without a doubt. But um, verse 15 says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. I will pull a lever and drop him into hell with Satan and the uh, red devil drain cleaners uh, to have him on the picture. I'm going to read the truth. It says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. How do you lose salvation? You don't. You don't. Well, that's just like over here. Hebrews chapter 10 now. I'll show you how you lose that salvation. <laughs> they like to do that sometimes. And he's out there. He's a drinking a beer. And he's going straight to hell. If he don't quit drinking that beer... They can come over here with us and grab some of these snakes. Huh?
Uh, I'm going to just read a little bit, starting in verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of, for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. And he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. And how much sorer punishment suppose ye Shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite under the Spirit of grace? Well, they'll say right there somebody that was saved, they were on their way to heaven, pedaling that bicycle as hard as they could, because if you stop, you fall off. And the next next stop was hell. That person was saved. Why does it say? How do you think he's saved? Well, it says he was he, he trampled the blood underfoot, trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. So to this person. Being sanctified means being saved. No. That's not true. 1 Corinthians uh, 7. 1 Corinthians 7. And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified. Same Greek word we saw in Hebrews chapter 10. The unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they're holy. Does sanctified mean saved? You can be an unbeliever and get saved just because you're married to a believer. We know better than that, right? Sanctified means set aside, important to God. Your unsaved children are sanctified. doesn't mean they're going to heaven. It just means that God doesn't want your heart to break. You know, sometimes it does anyway. You know. It also means an umbrella. Yeah. Temporary umbrella. <clears throat> so this person that's not a believer is in the midst and in marital relationship with someone who is, and you know, maybe they'll get saved. I mean, uh, Phil Robertson of uh, Duck Dynasty, <coughs> they got a great testimony. Kay got saved first. And uh, he just couldn't believe the difference because he was a rebel rouser. That's, that guy can preach now. I like Phil Robertson a lot. 
He attends Church of Christ. Let's talk a little bit about denominations because you don't just go to any church as a new believer. And a lot of them have become so bankrupt spiritually. It's really nothing more than what J. Vernon McGee called a knife and fork club. See, there's other kinds of clubs that people don't want to miss. Maybe it's a Lions Club meeting or Ruritan or Kiwanis. You know, uh, it's just human nature to want to be a part of a group. You know, well, hell's angels are pagans even. People want to be part of a group. So a lot of churchgoers, that's the only reason they're going. And if the, if the preacher ever once starts to plow and really start convicting, well, they'll, they'll throw him out. There's a big old fancy church over in Galax. They just wasted close to half a million dollars redecorating the sanctuary. Um, there's an old hens group that used to run that place. and might, might still be some uh, other ones that kind of stepped into their shoes. But the preacher spoke against abortion over there one time. Well, he, he got read the riot act by the hens that we don't get political. We don't talk politics in this church. Okay, so abortion is political? It is? It's not really a moral thing at all, huh? It's just D or R, huh? No, it is moral. But if you've been teaching that and believing that and having other people to do that, you don't want to hear that it's wrong. That would be tantamount to accessory to murder then, wouldn't it? So a lot of churches are like that, and this was a Baptist church. But the Baptist church is going down the tubes. Most of them are. And there's a good one out here on Pepper Street where Jerry and Forrest go. Um, you know, Andrew Davis, he, he shoots straight. Now, um, what about Church of Christ's doctrine? Well, they know they'll teach you that you can lose salvation and they have no eschatological view whatsoever. Meaning they have no look to the future as to what to expect. Oddly, they don't even seem curious. It seems like they want to be locked into the here and the now. And don't, don't talk to me about Revelation. You'll rarely, if ever, hear a Church of Christ minister in Revelation. Or touching on prophecy at all. Well, they like the book of Acts, and they'll spend a lot of time there. But if you ask one of them, what should we look for next on the prophetic timeline with regard to the return of Christ and the kingdom to come? Well, there's so many different ideas about that. Let's just let's just focus on getting people saved. That's fine. But when you get somebody saved, they're gonna have these questions. If they're really involved, zealous believer, they're going to have these questions. Don't tell them don't ask any more questions. Just go out here and knock on doors and pass out these pamphlets. And by the way, don't look at that woman over there with lust. You might go, you know, trip and fall and hit your head and end up in hell. If your last earthly act was, was a sinful act, then you go to hell. I don't see how folks that believe that kind of thing put up with themselves or that, that so-called religion. 
That's Church of Christ. You know, if you really believe, and I've, I've put this before in a study even recently, I'm going to do it again tonight because I do want to direct new believers to this particular podcast episode. If you believe you're going somewhere, you're going to act a certain way. And I use an example of winning a trip to Gatlinburg. And maybe you dropped a card in the box and entered the contest. And they contacted you and they convinced you that, yep, yeah, you won. You're the one. Your grand prize winner. You know, a week in Gatlinburg. Um, what are you going to do after you figure out when it is? Okay, this is the second week of October. and it'll sort things out so I can be away. I need to do that because I know I'm going. I believe I'm going. And not only do you get your calendar scheduled, your vacation set up, you're going to start looking at stuff on the Internet or pamphlets and brochures of what can I do at this place? What's it going to be like? I want to see that car museum. I want to go to Dollywood. I want to do whatever. Can't go to the Dixie Stampede anymore. You know why? Because Dixie, that got canceled. And Dolly Parton shouldn't have let that happen. She just changed it to the Stampede. Because Dixie, you know, that means you're a racist, of course. we got to stand up against some of this junk. Mm-hmm. But you would be looking at the amenities of the place you expect to be going. So when to me, when somebody claims that they're saved and they're born again and they're going to heaven and they have no interest whatsoever in what heaven will be like or what it would look like leading up to that point at which Christ takes us, I wonder about them. Church of Christ don't believe in a rapture. They're not that much different from Seventh-day Adventists over in Seventh-day Adventists. Think if you don't go to church on Saturday that you can't even go to heaven. They teach that you can't eat meat when the Bible pretty much clearly says that you can. You know, uh, Romans 14, it says, Him that is weak, verse 1, in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Oh, they hate that. Those Seventh-day Adventists hate that. It says you're weak in the faith, some translations. You're weak in the faith, you're only eating vegetables. Why? Because Ellen White told you. There's an extra book. Any book outside the 66 books of the King James Bible is a bad sign any kind of denomination that's looking at any other book bad idea the Pentecostals I love them death they have they have a childlike form of worship and they do believe in the rapture and they do look at um, the age to come and they do study prophecy and I, I wouldn't entirely tell someone to avoid Pentecostal fellowship other than to say they're going to teach you that you can lose your salvation. And um, if you can just spit out that particular bone, the rest of it's not bad. Again, your view of God has to be proper. You have to understand this deity with whom you have to do, as it's put in Hebrews. He already knows. He knows who's, who are His. He knows those who are His. So 
So what do you do with that? Well, you don't say, well, I was saved yesterday and slipped on a banana peel and fell into hell. You think God just goes down some big whiteboard moving you like a snake from one side to the other? He knows if you're His or not. Don't ever think for a second that you can be born again and somehow die to go to hell. It says you're sealed. You are sealed. That Greek word sealed in Ephesians 1 is the same Greek word that God says in Revelation He puts Satan in a pit and He puts the seal. Satan is sealed. And I had a guy tell me, you know, you can break that seal if you want to do it. You can break that seal if you want to do it. I said, can Satan break the seal God puts on him? Well, no. Well, it's the same word. My guess is it's the same kind of seal. He's not, God's not going to call you saved today if He knows that you're not sincere and that you will, you will fall back. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. these Pentecostals and uh, Church of God. Church of God Cleveland is very similar to Pentecostal. There's a Church of God denomination out of Anderson, Indiana, and they're very much like the Church of Christ. They have no eschatological views at all. They, they won't even try to understand prophecy. It's just like, you know, pass out the brochures, knock on some doors, don't miss our cupcake ministry. Uh, we got to raise enough money for some new toilets in their bathrooms even though the old ones are just fine uh, chapter 6 of Hebrews verse 4 says for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost that have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. There have been those that did that. There was a fellow who traveled with Billy Graham for a while. And he was at all the crusades and he was out there doing some preaching and he turned and renounced the faith and said, I didn't ever believe any of that. And I'm just here to tell you now that I don't believe it. Was he ever saved? No. You think God didn't see that coming? You think God didn't see his heart? God sees our hearts when even we don't. What does it mean here that you've tasted of the heavenly gift, made partaker of the Holy Ghost, tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come? What means that? You drew into a Christian fellowship. You darkened the doors of a church and fellowship or a meeting like this and fellowship with other believers to the point that you doggone well knew what the Bible said about salvation, the nature of Christ, redemption. You knew. You understood what being forgiven meant did not commit 
see in, in the Old Testament the, at the temple, there was the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. A lot of people are mingling around in the outer court. They're kind of getting close to the Holy of Holies, right? You know, oh, there it is. Yep, yep. There's some wild stuff going on over there. Let's just take a few steps closer. In the outer court. A lot of believers make it to the inner court. I say believers, professors of, of, of the faith. They make it to the inner court. And they're deacons in churches, and they're quite often ministers. Uh, I unfortunately sat under a minister for a while who thought there were errors in the Bible, which means that God made mistakes, and God did not oversee and tend to this Word, which He said His Word would be preserved. It wouldn't perish. His Word is settled forever in heaven in the Psalms. Um, people like that, they're in the inner court. Yeah, they a clerical collar there. The temple of divine serendipity of the latter-day macadamians, as Chuck Knipp says. That's really cute liquor. Um, they're a false convert. False convert. I was one. I know what it's like to be that guy who's questioning the authority of Scripture. He's saying, well, I say I'm a Christian and I'm going to church for the sake of my wife. I don't want to disappoint her. I don't really believe this stuff. I've told some of you before, uh, she had given me that Bible and shortly after we were married, I said, here, here in Leviticus it says to cut the pigeon's throat and sprinkle the blood all over the altar. I said, this don't sound like God. This sounds like Ozzy Osbourne. I remember saying that. At the time, she didn't know how to answer me other than she was heartbroken. Well, what's the truth? God has shown us from the beginning that there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of innocent blood. No forgiveness of sin without the shedding of innocent blood. The Passover lamb had to be proven flawless. It had to be kept for a couple of weeks, in fact. And then the family would kind of get attached to it because they're a loving, little, cute creature. Well, why should this thing have to die? Well, it's what God said. There's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of innocent blood. And they take it to the priest and pass over. The priest examines it and says, no flaws. You can go on and sacrifice this lamb. Jesus fulfilled the Passover feast on Passover. When it was supposed to happen, He fulfills it. You know, it's interesting, His disciples, they said, where are we going to have the Passover meal? And He told them, in the upper room at thus and such a place, go talk to a guy and he'll tell you, None of them asked, where's our lamb? Where's our Passover lamb? It's almost like spiritually, maybe. They knew that He was the lamb. And I've noted this before. Who plays the role of the priest in the real Passover? In the actual fulfillment? Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate comes out and he goes, I find no fault in this man. That hit me one day as I was reading that. Because he's, he's a perfect paradigm. He's fulfilling the Passover. 
someone in a high position of authority had to say, nothing wrong with this man, no fault. And they kill him anyway. But it was his will. It was his will that that be done. So, throughout the Bible you find all kinds of little nuggets, Perry Stone calls them, that, that just prove to you that God's work is in this entire body of Scripture. Read it prayerfully. Meditate on it. If you're feeling unsafe, read and meditate on Psalm 91. Stand on it. You need, to, you need healing. Proverbs chapter 4. If you're kind of concerned about something that's not right. Proverbs 4. Verse 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. This thing, this flesh. God's Word is so powerful. It will heal your body. Just read it, believe it, stand on it, say, God, you said thus and such, and I believe you. I believe you. Let me see how far we're in. We're good. Ray's freezing. <laughs> Are you cold? Got your jacket on. I'm sorry. Should have got you a Nanook blanket. But anyway, we'll wrap it up. Um, if you're a new believer, be very careful of who you listen to. Dr. Charles Stanley passed away yesterday or day before. 90 years old. Anything that man has out there, look it up. In Touch Ministries, In Touch Ministries, Dr. Charles Stanley. Some other great teachers out there that have gone on to be with the Lord. Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers is a good one. Um, I actually like Joseph Prince out of Singapore. Some don't. But uh, I think he's a spirit-filled believer. And um, just just watch it with what you listen to and who you listen to. Steve Ciccolani out of Australia. Yeah, teaching prophecy. He's good. I like him. Um, What's that? Chuck Swindoll. Chuck Swindoll. Excellent. David Mm -hmm. Jeremiah is excellent. Um, Dr. J. Vernon McGee is one to listen to. But when you pick a church, I'll give you a clue on finding the best church if you really want to go to a brick-and-mortar assembly. Find one that says it's non-denominational, that's been established for a good while, and one that will give you a pamphlet of what they believe. They need to believe that the Bible is inerrant. They need to understand that Jesus Christ is God. They need to affirm that there is no salvation other than through Jesus Christ. They ought to tell you that you cannot lose true salvation. I can let a Pentecostal slide there, but there you're in a denomination. Try to find one that says we're not a denominational church. Odds are, somebody grew far enough in the faith to say, why 
these divisions? Why are there so many divisions? Why do we do this? You know, uh, Paul was wondering this. And I'll, I'll wrap up with one more scripture. You know, he wondered about this. You know, it's, uh, it's not God's will. You know, he, he asks, you know, why are there so many divisions among you? Um, and it's in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, should be chapter 1. Um, I'm just going to start at verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, well, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas. Cephas is Peter. Oh, and I of Christ. No, I'm of Christ, not Paul or Cephas. Is Christ divided, he asked in verse 13, was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. Um, non-denomination. Ordinarily, it's going to be a more spiritually grounded and scripturally profound church assembly. Not always, just a guideline there. Just a guideline. All right. We all ready? Join hands. Jerry, I'll have you close this. God our Father, we God thank you for the promises we have in Christ Jesus. In God's name, amen. We thank you for salvation that you provided for us and continue to preserve us as we live our lives and become sanctified before you in this life. Lord, I pray for this nation that you would put godly holy men in leadership positions that this nation will return to Christ. I thank you for this home and for Daniel and for his uh, steadfast teaching and his commitment to you. I thank you for the meal that we have every time. So good. God, you're so good to us. Yes, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.